Welcome once again and happy Monday, Cougar Nation. We are live inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our Week 11 edition of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. A jam-packed show to say the least as we review Saturday's big-time win on the blue turf at Boise State, a 31-28 heart-stopping comeback that snaps BYU's four-game skid and sends the Cougs into their bye week on a high note. And to help guide us through the win on the blue, BYU defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki joins us and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick will open the show on the defensive side with Coach E., Tuiaki with us, uh, and Coach, my gosh, what a win for you on Saturday night. After a weekend to process it, what does Saturday's win mean to this BYU football team? Obviously, anytime you're winning, it's, uh, it's huge. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that we've seen, and even in all the losses, the boys play hard, you know. Boys played hard, and things went our way, and, and uh, in, in certain moments, guys uh, stepped up and made plays, and, and you come away with a win against a really good team. Looking back on the four-game losing skid, as tough as it was, did it in any way, shape, or form unite this group? Uh, yeah, you know, there's always, <clears throat> there's always, um, you know, you kind of get right, caught right in the middle of the storm, um, and there's there's a little panic that happens. There's, uh, you know, some soul searching, and then you find out who you really are. And um, you know, through the whole thing, felt like the team just. Uh, kept bonding closer and closer together when we really needed it and um, there was there was never really any quit in all of them even through all the losses you know and so um, felt like the felt like the team did come closer together uh, during those during that span well and it, it's one thing to unite when you're going through such adversity but then you throw in the injury factor and I mean I, I put out a tweet on Saturday night and citing that Chaz Ayu's not going to play, Max Tuley's not going to play, Peyton Wilgar's not going to play. How have you overcome things on the defensive side, specifically at the linebackers with all those injuries, and you find a way to win the game? It's the, you know, it's, uh, it's always tough when you're dealing with injuries, and obviously you're playing better football when you have all your players, but you know, the, you got to coach up the next, the next tier of guys that um, haven't been getting as many snaps, and, and uh, they've got to be ready to come in and play. And, and sometimes it's not the it's not the best sight when they get in, but uh, you always count it as just something that'll be positive for their future. You know, just your uh, last year, so many young kids played at the D line spot, um, and this year a lot of those guys are playing for us uh, with a lot of snaps. And so I think um, you know that's the thing that you take out of it. But it's always difficult when that happens. But uh, you know, if you don't you don't put asterisks on losses or wins depending on who's playing and who you had and didn't have and which way the ball bounced. It's it's about getting the job done and and uh, you know the players players did a great job this past Saturday. Speaking of those three guys I just mentioned, what's the injury status update that you can give us with Chaz Ayu and, and Max Tooley and Peyton Wilgar moving forward? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if Galani's put anything out, but uh, doesn't doesn't look good to uh, too good for for any of those guys. For the remainder of the season. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Coach Elisa Tuiaki, the defense coordinator, is with us on Coordinator's Corner. Uh, the bye week, certainly everyone says, man, it's, a bye week's always welcome. After 10 straight weeks. Two years in a row. Two years in a row. Yeah. How do you handle like that schedule and, and this bye week scenario? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's it's always it's it's tough. I've never experienced anything like that in my in my 17 years of coaching, and and um, you know it's uh, you lose guys, and just by this time, um, you, the, the the players are ready for a break. The players are ready for a break from the coaches. You know, sometimes for <laughs> since fall camp, you know you're you're getting coached, and it's nice to uh, 
it's nice to just the, for the coaches to get away from the players and for them to get away from us, but also just just a quick reset before we get into this next week. And there's, you know, it's a uh, be able to go back. I mean, now we've got two games left. We've got to go back and self, uh, you know, um, self scout ourselves, just kind of see where we're at. And sometimes you don't have that time um, to really take it all in and make any kind of changes uh, to what you're doing defensively and who's playing personnel and scheme and all that stuff. And so this would be, be a great time for us to do it. Let's recap a little bit more on the Boise State scenario, if you don't mind. Uh, what was your key to the game defensively going in against the Broncos? Uh, stop the run. You know, that was uh, <clears throat> felt like they'd been they've been running the ball really well um, in all the game the, the games that we scouted. Um, you know, obviously they had a new offensive coordinator by the time that we we got to them, and and uh, they've been running the ball real well. They've been playing really good complementary football. They've got a really uh, you know big time defense, um, and uh, they've been running the ball and mm. possessing it and just doing a good job with them. So we needed to stop the run um, in order to have a chance, and that was really the number one thing going in. How did you feel like you did in that regard upon review of the game? Uh, felt like felt like the boys played played really well. You know, felt like um, there was a lot of great individual efforts up front. Um, you know, there, the, we we were seeing things that uh, they hadn't shown, which was which was it seems to kind of be a thing when you're when you're facing us and and uh, um, you know I thought the players responded to the to the coaching adjustments that we had to make in order to. To stop them and and to get them into something just different and uh, yeah I thought thought the boys played real well. A strip sack fumble right before halftime and uh, coming off a no sacks in October scenario. What did it mean for your guys to get in the backfield and not just get a sack but create a turnover in that regard? You know the, those those plays you'd like to get every single time that anybody drops back and and passes it. But uh, I mean to get that you know obviously it was huge for us uh, you know going into halftime but. Uh, we, we were not able to capitalize and, and get any points off of it, but uh, you know to stop them, I was actually surprised that they came out and ran a play. I thought that they'd just come kneel it or run the ball. Um, and so that it was, it was huge for you know, Keenan and John both come up and, and uh, Keenan gets the sack and John John jars the ball loose and we come, come, come away with it. Yeah, walk us through that play. Uh, what's the call? Because you said you weren't expecting them to, go, to run a pass play. So what's the call in that regard? Uh, we were we were in a um, something that's going to be a little bit more uh, safe, and so we we basically had um, a call to to go into a drop eight just to keep everything in front of us. Um, at the last second, we turned on a pressure, um, and you know that's with Keenan and Batty coming off the edges there, and Ke you know the tight end washed washed uh, Keenan by. Now Batty was able to force him to step up on the other side, and, and Keenan came up with the play, and John just staying active in the way that he rushed uh, was able to come and jar it loose. I know that Tyler Batty's taken a more vocal approach with his teammates and with his team having gone through the four-game losing streak and now the win. How have you seen his leadership role evolve? Yeah, he's, he's been great, you know. Um, he obviously loves the team. He loves, loves football. He loves to compete. Um, he's a guy that's, that's uh, you know, wired to really go at one speed I mean he goes one speed the whole time and so really really intense player but it's been it, it has been fun to see him um, step up vocally just he's always been by actions a guy that's uh, um, you know brought a lot of leadership and, and uh, tenacity and intensity to just the way that he plays the game so for whatever reason and lack of review angles BYU thinks they score a touchdown right before halftime and you think you turn that turnover into immediate points and you're gonna have a lead going into the break was not the case. How do you handle that 
obvious frustrating sequence and scenario as you go into the halftime locker room? You just, you just keep playing ball, you know. Um, in, in 2020, when we came up to the blue turf, it was, I think it was 10 to three at halftime, and then we ended up blowing them out. And, and uh, it was really, when you're facing good teams, um, sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't, but you just got to keep, keep plugging away and keep playing ball. And, and uh, you know, I thought, thought that was the, one of the keys to winning. A huge start, a near perfect start to the game when the BYU offense takes the ball on a long, sustained drive, score a touchdown, Jaron Hall runs it in, and then defense responds with a three and out. How did that help set the tone for the remainder of the game? I mean, you know, sometimes you start games like that and, and uh, it ends up going badly, and sometimes you start it um, badly giving up something and then end up coming back and playing better. And so it's really just about being consistent, um, just – just keep plugging away, keep playing ball. You know, this they've got good players, they've got good coaches, they're gonna to try to find ways to to move the ball downfield and we've got to find ways to counter them. And so um, it was really more about being um, consistent, right? You celebrate the stop, you come back and you try to try to play for another one and if you end up giving giving something up that you, you still come back and coach up what you need to and, and keep playing ball. Well, that's not the only three and out I wanna bring up because the BYU offense has a turnover on downs after a relatively solid second drive. Boise then scores a touchdown rather quickly, so it's 7-7 after one. Offense turns it over quick on an interception by Jaron Hall, and then you put up a defensive three and out. What about that sequence? You know, because we've, we've seen things kind of start to snowball in, in games previous. What happened there for your, for your defense to come up big for the offense? Yeah, you know, like I said, with uh, just, I mean, just got to play, and so, um, regardless of how the, the drive starts, I mean, we've got a job to do to try to get off the field. And so, um, you know, anytime that you get, a, anytime you turn the ball over and it's a sudden change on defense, you got to come back in with excitement to try to try to get the ball back and get a stop. And thought thought the players kept that excitement the whole night. When you are looking at uh, half by half, so let, let's just how would you sum up the first half in general when you, when you go in the locker room and it's a seven-seven tie. Yeah, thought uh, defensively, at least for us, thought that uh, we were playing pretty good. Um, thought that there were a lot of great individual efforts um, up front, and uh, and you know things were going our way. And <clears throat> we've been in a lot of these games with Boise just over the seven years that I've been here. Um, Boise always comes out and tries to find a way to run the ball first, which is which we talked about that at halftime. It's they're going to come out and, and do things that we probably hadn't seen, and they did. <clears throat> and uh, also just just uh, celebrating. Celebrating any victory that we had, uh, little victories, uh, playing the game, and expecting to play it all the way to the end like we did. Okay, well, we'll get into more of this as we push on through uh, the rest of the coordinator's corner, but just, just, just a quick recap of the second half when this scene kind of turns into a little bit of a shootout. Yeah, you know, they, they made some plays, we made some plays, and, you know, obviously it ended up, um, we gave up more than we would have liked to, obviously, but there, you know, it's, it's you just keep, keep playing and plugging away, you know, it's, uh, you're playing a good team, you're playing good coaches, good players that are going to try to fight away, and, and we've got to counter that, and we've just got to make one more play than they do. Um, you know, and with, with what our offense did and what Puka did at that last uh, touchdown, um, you know, we, we just needed to stop. And so um, it was huge for us to, to get into that, that uh, second and long situation with the holding call, which gave us a little bit more uh, cushion, but, um, you know, just we made one more play than they did at the time that we needed it. BYU got that game-clinching stop. We're going to take a stop of sorts, break time on the coordinator's corner, and we head to break with a reminder to watch a special edition of BYU Football with Kalani Sitake 
tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time. On tomorrow's show, Kalani will be joined by men's basketball head coach Mark Pope on our combo show as the Cougar Hoopsters season gets underway tonight. Coming up after the break, how a low-scoring first half turned into that second-half shootout at Boise State we were just talking about. Plus, we'll identify some defensive and special teams players of the week when the coordinator's corner continues. A fourth standing up is Batty. Batty comes from the left of Green, who steps up. And as the pocket collapses, Batty and Nelson Balls and out. Peely, the ball comes loose. And the Cougars Peely's have it at the 10-yard line. Get the ball right back with 14 seconds to go until halftime. Huge play. And Tyler Batty comes out of the pile with the football. Welcome back to Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. The BYU Cougars back to 500 at 5-5 five and five on the season after a Wild 31-28 win at Boise State. BYU winning for a third straight time on the blue turf, dating back to the 2018 Potato Bowl win over Western Michigan. The Cougars now enter their bye week before closing out the regular season, home to Utah Tech and at Stanford. We're here on uh, Coordinator's Corner with Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. We were talking about the second half a little bit right before we went to break. 7-7 game at halftime. What were your thoughts and what were the adjustments that you wanted to make at halftime, if any at all, because you'd played such a great first half? There weren't, there weren't uh, very many adjustments. I mean, there were <clears throat> you know, things to uh, look out for that we'd, we'd coach them up and you know, some of the plays that we ended up giving up in the first half. Um, you know, the first touchdown that they had, they, they put us into. Uh, um, we were in a defense that was a little bit harder to track down who was where because they came out in empty formation. And um, they motioned a receiver back into the backfield instead of a running back. And so, you know, that, that situation, which we call fire in the hole, which is not a, not a running back in the backfield, um, there are certain ways that you could play that, especially with all the different um, variations of defenses that we play. And so they ended up get, getting us into something, and we just needed to adjust and just have an answer for it if they came back to it. Uh, and then some of the longer passes that they threw uh, on the boots and just the, the, the deep over routes, we've we had to just address um, you know certain techniques and just where your eyes are and um, expect this to come back. But the big thing was coming out of halftime, um, these guys know that they have to find a way to try to run the ball, and so um, we needed to we needed to make sure that we were ready for that. Walk us through that process when you recognize something that you haven't seen and the communication that needs to happen and the time frame you're trying to do that in when, when things are happening so fast on the fly. Yeah, it's, you know, there's uh, obviously every, every coach is watching their position group. Um, um, every coach that's part of just where the breakdown happened um, knows, knows that, uh, you know, this is an issue. What we just saw was it was an issue and we've got to, um, we can either go to this. And so you just start kind of talking through um, first is really identifying it, coming from the box, like uh, what happened there, who was that, um, you know, what, what needed to happen, who blew the assignment, um, is this a matchup that we like as far as just where we ended up giving up, and then, okay, all right, once, once we identify what the problem is, okay, what's, what's the answer? Is we go away from that call, which we've done in the past, sometimes you just make an adjustment in the way that you call it. Um, you've got to gather everybody and say, hey, from now on, if we get empty versus this call, uh, we're going to check it to this instead of playing this. I mean, th those kind of things happen. And with this one, it was really just uh, identifying, hey, they got into empty. The running back was actually to the field. Um, you know, there, there's a lot that has to happen there. Corner, you got to see that you're covering a running back and echo it down so we can get the matchups correctly. If we can get that matchup correctly, it goes into the box. And those guys <clears throat> are able to identify just where the alignment is. And 
Um, uh, corners have to know, okay, that was my guy They went to the backfield. Now, uh, if it happens again, I'm going to actually follow him into the backfield. they got to be two yards in back of the backers so we don't pick each other. I mean, all, the, all those things that we talked about. And so uh, for that play specifically, there wasn't actually anything that we changed. It was really just identify, um, be ready for it, uh, the communication that needs to happen in order for us to make sure that we're, we're on the right person at the time. Because it, uh, it was a man defense with some, some underneath zone droppers, and that just – um, it, it, it kind of changed the way that we did things. Now, I know you've done both, coaching in the box and certainly on the sidelines when you can look your guys in the eye and make those changes. What do you prefer as a defensive coordinator? Myself, I prefer in the box, just, just because uh, you know, I'm, 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 never, I'm not really juiced up and riled up on the sideline anyways much. I mean, in all the years that I've been on the sideline, a um, little bit of excitement here and there, but I'm more about... Uh, um, really trying to just uh, identify and understand what's going on and make the adjustments that we need to. You can see more from the box, but it's nice to be in front of your players and talk and get answers back. Um, like there was a run, there was a run that ended up bouncing um, towards Batty. So the quarterback pulled it and he bounced towards Batty's side, and I had misidentified it on the field. I thought that uh, Batty played the wrong technique versus for what we were asking him to. He came out and said, no, this is what happened. And John Nelson on the other side said, this is the block that I got. And as I was trying to calculate it in my mind, I was like, okay, that had to have just been a broken play. Then, right? <laughs> they were like, yeah, no, I, I played what I was supposed to play. But, and when we watched it on film, um, you know, today it was, okay, it was uh, completely just a broken play. And so when you look at those, I mean, you end up giving about, I think the quarterback scrambled for 12 on the broken run. Do you completely just change the way that you're teaching your guys, or do you come back and say, hey, this was just an anomaly. Let's just, let's just stick to what we're doing, you know? And, and that's uh, what we ended up doing in the game. I thought it was the right thing to do. Fascinating stuff with Elisa Tuiaki. Uh, I know you specialize on the defensive line. At this point of the season, with John Nelson and Tyler Batty and some of the other guys, one, how's the health of the defensive line? And two, how do you feel like they're performing right now? Yeah, the, the, the interior tackles were the ones where we were getting beat up the most. Um, you know, Lorenzo missed the game and was kind of in, uh, and, and he'd been obviously playing for us for, for all these years. And uh, Gabe Summers is playing with a torn PCL, and his is kind of just depends on the day and depends on whether or not it's catching. And so uh, he made some big-time plays for us um, this, last, this last game, and then he ended up getting, getting hurt and tried to get back into the game, but we just kept him out and went with the next tackles. And so... Um, I, th I feel like the, the, this bye week is going to be good for us to get, to get those guys back healthy. But obviously, we missed Blake Mangelson for a long time, and now he's back, and he played really well. But um, uh, as a whole, uh, we're still, still a little banged up at the tackle spot, but the ends are, are really healthy. And so, um, you know, th th they've, been, they've been battling. They've been, they've been pl playing hard. Um, some, there's always – there's never a game that you go in that, and you say – um, that was a flawless game. It just doesn't happen because you're playing against other good offensive players, offensive linemen. There's, um, as a defensive player, you're always on the receiving end because you don't know the snap count, you don't know where the ball's going, and so your ability to react and affect the play has got to be, you've got to be on par in the way that you're playing with your technique. And so um, there's always technical things to, to just get better at. Let's go into the fourth quarter. Again, it's, it's in a back-and-forth shootout at this point. Both teams making very, very quick adjustments to try and you know, just make one more play. BYU gets the ball back 28-24 with six and a half minutes to play. What's going through your mind in that moment? Like, what, what are you preparing for based on the six and a half minutes left and BYU has the ball? 
Um, you know, it really just all kind of depended on how much uh, you've got to be ready to just play regular ball. Um, if if they if we give the ball back and we don't score, or you got to be ready to go into a two-minute situation. If you go up by two two possessions, um, change the package. So we basically go completely go down from a from a four-down package, which we actually ended up doing in the last possession. We went away for pulled pulled the nose out. Uh, moved Pepe to the OE spot, to the end spot, moved Batty in, Batty and uh, John. And so we ended up playing with uh, basically three D ends and one, one D tackle and took the nose out. And so um, it's a two-minute situation. It's, it's uh, get the best pass rushers in there and, and uh, what are the calls, you know? What are the calls that you like? What are the calls that we've got prepared? And, and uh, um, are we going to move forward with that? Is there anything that we need to change? Let's, I, I want to ask you just about the Puka Nakua catch because obviously you're preparing for a number of things. Can you, can you even enjoy like that remarkable play in the moment or do you just have to go right to defensive game planning at that point? A little bit of both. I mean, if you, can, if you catch it, if you, catch, if you see it, then that's great, you know. Um, obviously at this point, it was, it was fourth down. We're all, everybody's on the sideline. We're locked in and we're seeing it. I mean, as soon as he made that play, I mean, even before that, I was, you know, uh, you, you don't want to be a coach that uh, when the offense is up, all you're doing is comment, commentary. You, know, you don't want to be a fan on the headset. It's turn your mic off and be quiet so we can keep the, 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 head, the headsets clean. Um, but at that time, I was just thinking the whole time, like, man, what, a, what an amazing ball player. I mean, he is just a flat-out football player um, the whole night leading up to this thing. How do you defend a guy like that? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of different things that you try, but I mean, you defend one guy, you're going to end up giving a bunch of stuff on the other side. And so that's, uh, it's just, it's just tough. Let's talk about the final drive by Boise State. Um, walk us through that entire series. Yeah, we, we, uh, felt like we were in a, a two minute situation, even though they had some timeouts left, but on first down where they threw the incompletion, uh, you know, obviously it was huge for us. And now, um, we went into basically showing a pressure and coming back out and dropping eight and uh, almost picked it. I mean, Pepe comes out. I'm that might have been a better catch than Pukas. <laughs> yeah. Then we come back out in the third down. It was a long situation and, and actually pressured him, um, forced the ball out. But in the fourth down, we just we, we played man, came back to just what we thought was going to be our bread and butter, and and uh, Jake Robinson just made a big time play for us. And Jacob Robinson has been moved around a little bit. That secondary has been banged up with the loss of Malik Moore as well. What are the plans for Jacob Robinson and the secondary moving forward? Yeah, he, he plays nickel for us. He's our starting nickel, and then he plays, plays corner whenever we're in our strong package. And, and uh, we'll continue to play that with him um, as much as we need him. But he's he, a phenomenal player. Do you feel like the defense has found itself again? Uh, found itself again? <laughs> Uh, you know, you, every week is about just uh, playing good ball, you know what I mean? And um, I feel like, uh, feel like there may have been just some, some confidence issues uh, in the Arkansas game um, with all the changes that happened in the Liberty game, and that one was just kind of a tough one. And you're playing, playing two great opponents too, but um, felt like we were starting to play better defense uh, against East Carolina, um, you know, with, uh, with the exception of just shape issues and just different things that came with just playing young players and then uh, felt like we felt like the, the defense played well this last game. Certainly 104 rushing yards for Boise State, a team that as you said had been running the ball really really well. Who are your defensive players of the week? 
Pepe Tanuvasa uh, always steps up and plays a big role in whatever package we ask him to to do. And then also John Nelson, Tyler Batty just played really, really well. John Nelson didn't have very many stats, but uh, the way that he affected the game, just thought uh, he and Batty both played really, really, really big time plays. And Pepe stepped in. I mean, it would have been nicer if he would have finished with that interception, but uh, added a little bit more drama to the game. We got to figure out a way to put John Nightmare Nelson up on that graphic. <laughs> <laughs> and your special teams players of the week. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been uh, fun to see Chica um, have, have an effect on just uh, the way that he's played on this team at such a young age. And, you know, Fisher continues to find a role and, and Tanner Wall for us uh, this whole year really has just been a, been a great player for us in, in, all, in all phases. Coach, congratulations on a huge win uh, to get to five and five. One win away from bowl eligibility. How much is that on your mind? Uh, one win away from bowl eligibility as you go into the bye week. Yeah, it's uh, you know um, you don't want to put it push it to the forefront. It's it's got to be about the game that's at hand, and but it definitely is something that uh, uh, you know us the team think about. It's one of the goals that as we uh, sit and reestablish just where we're at at this at this part of the year. Uh, winning the rivalries, um, you know, pr uh, protecting Lavelle's house and uh, making it to a bowl game. And that's, those are all things that were still in front of us uh, going into the Boise game and obviously taking care of Utah State and, and Boise State. And our uh, rivalries uh, has been huge, but then also just a step closer to playing in a bowl game. Yeah, know the rivalry wins, uh, and you got a nice thing going. You last beat Utah, you beat Utah State, you beat Boise State. That's a big thing for BYU football. I wish you a long nap and some good meals during this bye week, Coach. You, you, you've certainly earned it. And maybe it's at JCW's. Time again for a break as we take this time out. A reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. BYU men's basketball opens its regular season tonight. Home to Idaho State. Tune in for Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio, 8 p.m. Eastern, tip at 9 Eastern. Coming up, some closing comments with BYU defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. The coordinator's corner continues after this. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Kick is up and good. And Ryan Rico does a nice job to haul down a high snap. The play's been good, and BYU makes it a four-point game, 14 to 10. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're visiting with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive tackles coach Elisa Tuiaki. BYU now 5-5 five and five on the season and heading into its bye week. The Cougs need only one more win to lock down bowl eligibility. We talked a little bit about that, uh, getting to bowl eligibility before the break, Coach. Um, and, and you and I were talking about you know, desired destinations. You said somewhere close to the ocean. You'd be fine with that? That's right. You know, <laughs> in, in, in the winter, you want to be, you want to be somewhere warm. Okay. Motivation to, to beat Utah Tech for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what a ride. Uh, I mean, huge September for this team. You get to four and one. No wins in October. Kalani said, I it's a new month. There's new new opportunity. We want to win win out through November, and, and you open with maybe the the toughest game on paper with a win at Boise State. What do you see in the in the final two games against Utah Tech and Stanford? Yeah, you know you're you're playing an FCS uh, program, and so there's a lot of expectation to just roll them. But um, we've we've been able to get uh, you know get a head start on just watching them in our bye week, and they're 
it's it's they're they're Washington State, right? And obviously, they got a lot of Washington State's coaches. They're running the same offense, and they're scoring a lot of points. And so, um, we've got to have a good game plan going in, and, and just be, be a good one to win. As we talk about getting healthy, certainly the bye week provides an opportunity for guys, if, if not to get 100%, just at least a little bit better. Which guys have you been without that you're hoping to maybe get back for the final two games? That's it's a tough question. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know uh, if there's going to be anybody that, that we're going to get gain back in, in a week. You know, some of the injuries that we had were pretty significant, and so um, may, may not change in, in this bye week. Gotcha. And as far as the uh, offensive line players that have moved over the defensive line, are we going to see any more of them in the approaching weeks? Yeah, hopefully we get to see them uh, in this next in this next game. I mean. Um, I've had uh, Sonny Makassini and I've had uh, Tyler Little. Yeah. Uh, Sonny's kind of gone back. He's picked up a bigger role on the offense, offensive line, and so he's got to practice and, and go to their meetings. And so um, I've I've kept Tyler Little. Um, and right now, I mean, he's he's getting better. He's, there's a lot of good things that he's doing. Um, the 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 previous game, the game plan against ECU felt like he fit better. This game plan against. Um, against Boise, the other guys uh, fit better. I just didn't want to put Tyler in a bad situation where he felt like he was, you know, um, costing us as a, as a young player making mistakes. And uh, the D-tackles did a great job. And then this next game will be a great opportunity for him to, to get some snaps. Coach, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, we say goodbye to you and a goodbye week we wish you as uh, you appreciate get ready for Utah Tech. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, Elisa Tuiaki wrapping up his comments. We're not done. Get expanded pregame coverage of BYU's regular season hoops opener with Idaho State tonight on BYU TV's BYU Sports Nation game day starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And as I mentioned, it's time we go to the offensive side of things. We hear from BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We are live in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU ends a four-game slide in style with an impressive 31-28 win at Boise State, winning on the blue for a third consecutive time going back to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. The win also stopped Boise State's four-game win streak overall. We begin the second half of our show today with BYU offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick. Aaron, first of all, congratulations on a huge win and uh, I couldn't help but sense just the relief and uh, the gratification that uh, all of the coaches and players are feeling after just a massive win on the blue. Yeah, we needed a win. I mean, there's no, no doubt about it. We needed a win, and it was good to have a good team victory. I thought all three phases contributed, and um, probably all three phases did some things that maybe we're not happy about, but it was a great team win. It's one thing to beat Boise State on the blue yeah. fully healthy, right? I mean, that's always a tough game. But you do so without Kingsley Suomataia, so you yeah. got to adjust some things on the offensive line. You're down Chris Brooks in the running back's room. Here yeah. comes Hinkley Ropati yeah. uh, of all players. I mean, so, it, again, the win was awesome, but with some, some, some key guys down, how did you manage to pull that off? Yeah, we had Kingsley was out, and he's been playing great, really well. Um, and so we had to shift some things up front. Harris, Lachance, moved over to right tackle and did a good job. And then um, running back-wise, we were really down. We had Chris out. Miles Davis was there, and I think he played one or two plays, but didn't practice very much. He's been dealing with 
with a, an ankle sprain. And, um, and then uh, the, the one that caught us off guard was Mason Fakahua had some issues in practice last week too. And so uh, he was dressed, but again, hadn't, hadn't done much in practice. So we, we felt like it was time to give Hinkley another opportunity and he made good on it. Oh, an incredible response. And against a Boise State defense that, I mean, coming in was in several statistical categories, tops in the country. Yeah, they were number one in the nation in pass defense and number two in total defense. Uh, they were number two in third downs. Uh, it was uh, pretty pretty formidable defense on film. There wasn't a lot of a um, lot of a lot of good looks. I mean, it was it was tough to find find some yards just watching them on film. They've just been totally dominant. But um, we were we were confident, and we've been doing a lot of good things. It was just time to put it all together. What were you expecting to be able to do well against Boise State, given the backdrop that you saw on film? Oh, we thought we had an advantage on the perimeter. Our, our, um, we thought we could throw the ball down the field, and that proved to be true. Um, thought we could run it enough to keep them honest, which is about what we did. Um, they're a very good run defense. They fit every single run perfectly. You can block everybody but they're always gonna have one guy you can't block just waiting there to make a tackle at two or three yards from the line of scrimmage. Um, they just, they, they fit so well. But we thought, we thought we'd have a chance to throw the ball down the field and, and uh, for the most part, we did a good job. Yeah, 32 rush attempts, 42 passes, pretty balanced. Jaron Hall throws for 377 against a Boise State defense that was only giving up 133 pass yards per game. So he almost triples that right there. Yeah, and I don't think they've given up a passing touchdown yet this year. Uh, there was zero. I'm pretty sure that's correct. I don't think there were any touchdown passes yet this season. Um, so, but again, we, we have a lot of confidence in our players and, and what we do. And, you know, thought the guys played hard. Jaron Hall is running more. Is this a situational thing, or is this like a concerted effort to have him use his legs more? No, I was just I was being cautious. You know, he was banged up. We, we had a, about a four-game stretch there where he was uh, – I tried to keep it a secret at first, and then the, the word got out. In the Notre Dame game, he didn't practice at all that week. And then the next, uh, let's see, Arkansas game, Liberty game, he barely just practiced a little bit. He had, he had a sore shoulder. We were protecting him. Um, not running him, you know, try, trying to keep him upright and uh, keep him on the field. And then felt like against East Carolina, he was feeling pretty good. He was getting close to 100%. And so we, we used him a little bit in that game. And then we felt like this week, hey, we just said, hey, you, re you ready to run? And he said, yes, he was ready to go. And um, so we made, made use of him as a runner. And we're looking at this first drive, and it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, we're a much more explosive offense when he runs. Certainly. And he runs in that first touchdown, 12 plays, 75 yards, 6-12 off the clock. As an offensive coordinator, and you've gone through three and outs and struggles and all the injuries, and Jaron clearly is not the same, what did that drive mean to you to, to see BYU put that on the field after everything you've gone through? Yeah, it was nice to start fast. I mean, we've... We've been, uh, you know, we've had some good opening drives this year, but that one was that one was important because, you know, we're in their stadium. They've got, you know, good energy in that stadium, you know, and it's a, it's a hostile place to play. And I thought that was a good statement, um, you know, for our defense too. You know, I think our defense plays better when we start fast. And I think it's just a team thing. Sure, the defense got the three and out, got you the ball right back on your next drive. Doing some things well, but you end up with a third and one and a fourth and one at the Boise 33. Two run stuffs by the Boise defense. What were the calls and what happened there? Yeah, we had uh, 
both of them I thought you know we had a good chance to get the first down we've, we've got to break a tackle you know when it, like I said it, they fit their runs perfectly and there's all you can block everybody but there's always gonna be one guy you can't block and you've got to run over him or make him miss to get one yard and um, we're still searching for the answer there to uh, you know who can be that short yardage get us one yard guy and um, so you'll see later in the game we converted some short yardage plays just by throwing and then uh, we used the quarterback run game as well mm. uh, as an answer but um, that was really the key there is just when you're in the goal line or one yard situation there's always one or two players you can't block and at least one sometimes there's two and so it comes down to being able to break a tackle. As you look at the fourth down conversions for the season uh, how do you overcome the frustration of something like that? Uh, you don't look, you don't really worry about it because you, you can't do anything about it. You just got to make the next one. And so we're always looking forward. You know, we want to learn from, learn from our, you know, what we've put on film before. We we uh, obviously look at every single thing we do, but you can't carry it with you into the next game. You just play the next down, good or bad. You play the next down one play at a time and. That's what we're doing. Now we'll get to the fourth down conversion that happened later in the game in just a little bit, yeah. um, that poetic moment. But I do want to stay in the first half. It's 7-7 after one quarter, and clearly BYU is doing a great job controlling the ball, time of possession. Um, what's the key to, to having your offense on the field for the time that, that you desire to have them there? Because a lot of people say that time of possession is overrated. Some people feel like it's everything. Where are you in that regard? Well, I think it can be an overrated stat for sure because, you know, if you're just scoring touchdowns, you know, in short play drives, you know, three, four, five play drives and scoring, then time of possession would be overrated. But where time of possession can have an impact is um, you give your defense a chance to rest, you know, and I think the last two games um, we've done a good job of staying on the field, giving them a chance to rest, giving them a chance to make adjustments talk you know about what they saw the last series I mean there's there's merit to all of that um, and so I think that's one thing we did well uh, what, what we didn't do well enough though is just finish those drives with points you know we have to we've got to get more more than seven points at halftime certainly and and factoring into that is uh, obviously the the stop on fourth down that we saw earlier but then two interceptions yeah. um, from Jaron Hall. Walk us through what happened on those plays and, and what the communication was like with Jaron when he came back to the sideline. The first one was he just made a really bad decision and that's, you know, Jaron doesn't make very many bad decisions. He, he thought he could drop the ball over uh, number zero there and fit it in between him and the safety and then he, he kind of didn't get all of, it, all of his uh, might into that throw with the, with the pressure in his face. He's already outside the pocket. That play is sort of an all-or-nothing play. You, you either have it or you don't. You got to throw it away. He knew it right away. It's you know he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but that one was that was that was a mistake that he owns, and uh, he'll learn from it. And then the second one, uh, you know, again, I, I haven't seen Isaac Drex drop a ball in his whole career. That's the first one I've ever seen. Uh, I thought this was, you know, you got to put this ball. It's got to be a little bit high because you got to get over the over the linebackers. You're trying to get it over the backers and in front of the safeties. And we, we put Isaac there for a reason because he's 6'6". And uh, just unfortunately, it's just bad luck. I mean, he's, I'll, throw, I'll throw that ball to Isaac Rex every time. He's, he's, he's scored probably six or eight touchdowns on that exact same play in his career. And just that was, uh, I, that one's just unfortunate. But 
he felt terrible about it, but I still trust that kid. He's a he's he's a really solid receiver and a, and a really uh, one of our best players. Well, Boise State surprisingly uh, opts for a pass play yeah. with a few seconds remaining in the first half, and you get the strip sack fumble. Yeah. You're right back there going in on the goal line, and Lopini Katoa seems to have scored. I mean, everybody in circles on social media and in the moment are thinking, oh, that's clearly a touchdown. It's ruled not a touchdown. Yeah. How do you handle that as the offensive coordinator, knowing like it should probably be 14-7, but it's not. It's 7-7. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, we scored twice. We scored twice. Puka's catch was a touchdown. He was in the end zone. They hit him. He, our video, it's clear to us that he caught the ball in the end zone and then got knocked out. Uh, and then this ball was clearly across the goal line as well. There just – there wasn't uh, – there was not um, – uh, camera angle, I guess that allowed the officials to overturn it. Um, I might, maybe I'll get fined for saying this, but I, I think they missed. I missed both of those calls. And um, but what we need to do is just make it clear. I mean, Peeney's got to. We got to get the ball more across the line. I, I guess even than we did. I guess that's the only thing we can do is just get that thing, get this whole body in the end zone. I guess is is what we need to do better. But uh, that was disappointing because. I thought we executed both of those plays well enough to get get a touchdown. Oh, you come back, you handle the frustration and the adversity, and yeah. BYU finds a way to win. We'll talk about the second half coming up in just a bit. As we head to break, a reminder to watch after further review tomorrow, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon break down the Cougs' big win in Boise. When we come back, more on how the Cougars went back and forth with the Broncos in Boise when we continue our conversation with offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. Coordinator's Corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Fourth and goal from the six. Snap Jerry. He throws for Puka in the end zone, and it is caught, caught oh my by gosh. Puka. What a grab. Oh, what a grab. And the signal is touchdown. BYU haven't seen the signal yet. Uh, yeah, we've got proof. His toe is down. Jaron Wilkie, thank you, BYU Photo. Back on BYU, or the coordinator's corner here at uh, the BYU Broadcasting Building. We're chancing, uh, chatting with BYU offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick. BYU now 5-5 five and five on the year, one win away from qualifying for a bowl game. Cougars play at home against Utah Tech on November 19th to get there. But now it's the bye week. Coach, um, I hope you've got some plans to rest during the bye week. Uh, I'm sure you have plenty left to do as you prepare for Utah Tech. But um, what does it mean to get that win and be one win away from bowl eligibility now? Well, it was just good to get a win. I mean, we, we, were, we were struggling, you know, and you can't hide from that. you got to face it. We were struggling. We needed a win, and we beat a good team. Yeah. Uh, in their place, uh, they, they never lose there. I mean, I don't know when the last time they lost there, but it's not very often. Um, they're, they're tough, tough to beat, and so it was a good win, and we're, we're allowing ourselves to feel good about it for, for a day or two. All right, I'm going to call an audible here a little bit because this is for football terminology, but um, we'll break up the halves. Who was your offensive player of the week or your offensive players of the week? Puka. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the great performances I've ever seen. Um, by a college football player. I mean, he, he dominated that game. And when he came down to the end, there was no doubt who we were throwing it to. They knew it. We knew it. Everybody in the stadium knew the ball was going to 12. We threw it to him two plays in a row, and uh, he made the play. Let's look, let's look at his highlights, his 12 catches. Yeah, and that, this was a great throw and catch. I mean, that, that ball on that post-corner route was, was uh, to Jer by Jaron was an unbelievable throw. But, yeah, he... he um, 
He's amazing. He's what's what's really impressive too about Puka is I don't know if you notice how many different places he lines up on the field, which means he has to know a lot about our offense. I mean, he, not everybody can just play all these different positions that he plays, and he plays in the slot. He plays in in a wing alignment. He plays out wide to the field. He plays out wide to the boundary. He lines up in the backfield. Um, he's a ball carrier. He's a he runs every route in our whole route tree. I mean, <laughs> option routes, deep balls, like you name it, he's doing it all. And that's not easy to do uh, just knowledge-wise. You have to be able to retain all that information. And then the practice reps, the, if you could see how hard he practices every day, and he's just exhausted at the end of, end of the practice. You know, he, he goes as hard as anyone I've ever seen. I should say 14 catches for number 12 yeah. uh, on 19 targets and none more important and – uh, unbelievable than that fourth and six catch he makes down on the goal line. And the fact that it was a fourth down, Aaron, yeah. it just it felt like you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, and we, you know, like I said, everybody knew where the ball was going. And we, but, and they even played this, the, the, the defense they played here was pretty discouraging for that route. Uh, they had a safety over there that we thought was maybe going to help, but he didn't really help. So we, we still got the one-on-one, and I thought Jaron put the ball perfectly to his outside so he can box the guy out and, and make the play. And it was an excellent throw, but even better catch. What are you feeling in that moment? As you're one, like you think he's made the catch, but they haven't reviewed it yet, like, and it's going under view. What, what, what's going through your mind? Well, we, we had a, um, the replay we had in our booth, it looked to me like it was a catch. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time and there's not a lot you can do anyway. <laughs> so I don't, I don't stress too much, you just, you just sit there and wait to hear hear the final call, but I didn't feel like there was going to be enough to overturn it. And of course, this photograph, which the referees didn't have, <laughs> uh, shows a, shows that he clearly caught it. But um, it was a great play. Is that going to be framed somewhere in your house? <laughs> uh, my, my son, actually, the first time I saw it was my son sent it to me uh, after the game. So I got to my locker and pulled out my phone and um, that was the first thing I saw was that picture from us. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Fantastic work. Uh, all right, we'll come back with some final thoughts with uh, Aaron Roderick. Time again for a break, however. When we come back, a look ahead to the stretch run for BYU football with Coach Roderick as we take our break. We remind you that for your daily Cougar sports play-by-play, you can always watch BYU Sports Nation noon Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You're in the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, Built Bar, Fuel the Journey, and by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick with us as we wrap up a loaded show. And coach, before you go, I do want to talk about BYU's second half success Four drives, four scores, and Hinkley Ropati gets involved in uh, that big second half. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, nice second half. We were very efficient with our possessions. You know, we, we only had the ball four times, but we got points on all four: one field goal, three touchdowns, and then um, Hinkley. Yeah, really, really proud of him. Um, he's had some struggles. You know, just sort of working his way up the depth chart. We, there were some things we asked him to do better. Um, and he's never pouted. He's always just kept working hard. We gave him an opportunity in the Notre Dame game, and he unfortunately fumbled. 
So we sort of had a situation where it was like, hey, you got to earn, earn our trust back yeah. and earn your way back in. And um, it was time. And he, he made good on it. Coach, congratulations on a great week. Enjoy the bye week. Uh, I know that it would put, be put to good use and hopefully involve some rest for you as BYU gets set for Utah Tech uh, in about a week and a half. That'll do it for week 11 of the Coordinator's Corner. With the bye week, we are off next week. We'll return on November 21st to review the Utah Tech game and preview the regular season finale at Stanford. For the coaches, Eli Stuiaki and Aaron Roderick, I'm Spencer Linton. Go Cougs!